Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Alice, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of all combat sports, the great Teddy Alice. Teddy, how you doing? Good. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. This is Christmas Eve. We are recording on Christmas Eve. You'll get it a little after Christmas, but um, wishing everybody out there a Merry Christmas. Of course, a Happy New Year, and um, hope everybody gets what they want for Christmas. And most importantly, I hope everybody's healthy, happy, and everybody can share love a little bit extra on Christmas. I got a reminder last night for my four-year-old granddaughter, Mara. They live with us. Everybody knows that for the last four years. Uh, Mara, Joseph, and now little Adeline. She's five months old. They, They all live with us. And they're moving, which is a little tough for me. They're moving to a beautiful place, Rumson, New Jersey. They'll be moving right after New Year's. So, you know, we're we're enjoying this Christmas with them. And I'm dreading even thinking about when they move because, you know, like I've said to you, they're my kids now. You know, I, I, my daughter and her husband get it confused. They think they're their kids. They they think. They forget they they become my kids, you know. Of course, I've I've uh, I've looked at the statues, the legal statues. Ken, uh, my daughter's a lawyer <laughs> to see what you would get, what a grandfather would get, who's mentally distressed, um, distressed would get for kidnapping. And you know, I I think I could probably handle it. I you know, um, I think so. But anyway, all kidding around. I got a reminder last night from little four-year-old Mara because Buddy the Elf, you know about the Elf, right? The magical Elf that that flies around and does all... We got Seamus. Yeah, so we got Buddy the Elf. And if you touch him, I'm just learning some of the, you know, some of the do's and don'ts. If you touch him, he loses his magic. So the only way he could get his magic back, you got to leave him alone and then you got to put cinnamon on them. And so <laughs> so last night before bed, Mara said, Mom and Papa, uh, we got to put the cinnamon on Buddy. So we went over there, we sprinkled the cinnamon on Buddy, and sure enough, it worked. Buddy was able to fly around the house, and uh, he wound up in the Christmas tree this morning. You never know where he's going to wind up. But he wound up in the Christmas tree this morning. But he flew around the house. He he did his job. He he left a nice note for Joseph and, um, and Mara. And I'm also blessed. We're blessed, me and Elaine, that my son flew in from Vegas with little Teddy the Fourth and his wife Lana. So we got all the grandkids here, which is beautiful. But... There's a lesson to be learned, and here's the moral of that of that story about Buddy the Elf and the cinnamon taking care of everything. Find the cinnamon in your life. <laughs> that's that's what it it struck me last night. We we make things so complicated sometimes about problems that aren't maybe quite as big as we make them. Sometimes they grow a little bit within us. And um, just sprinkle a little cinnamon on them and find whatever that cinnamon is for you in life. Find it and sprinkle it on your problems. 
And you know what? Everything might be okay then. And you'll find that it wasn't quite as bad as you thought it was. All right? And uh, that's my that's my little story for Christmas, my little love note to everybody out there. And seven hours of watching boxing yesterday. I sat in front <laughs> of that... I I got started maybe a half hour late. I got started about 12. From 12 to 7 o'clock at night, I watched all those fights from Saudi. And you know what? Some of, thank God a couple of them were good. Thank God that there was a few good ones and you had an upset. We're going to break them all down. We're going to run through them fast. But, um, and, and we have to run through them fast. Because it's Christmas Eve. Santa's coming. We can't, we can't be doing this too long. And not only that, the, some of those fights, you got no choice but to run through them fast. I mean, they were, they were less than uh, competitive. They were, to, to I, say I, I, the least. I don't know why they even wasted the money. You know, I know the Saudis over there have enough money to waste. I get it. You know, I, I understand. And they throw it all over the place, with whether it's with the tennis, the golf, the, the Formula I One. I mean, they bought the entire PGA Tour. PGA. They've completely decimated it. They might buy boxing. And I'm not joking. <laughs> Don't take what I'm saying I, in I think they already have. They might buy, they might take a, buy a, do a deal with the network, buy out one of the sanctioned uh, organizations, which... They can own like that. They probably own them already, quite frankly. You just create I, your I, own. I, I, None of them have any I, credibility. I, no. And just, they, they could buy a stable, of, whether it's top ranks table, stable, whether it's the PPCs. Well, they're going over to Amazon now, so they have a deal. But whatever it is, they, they could just bring all the fighters to them, start their own organization, their own network, um, basically own boxing uh, if if they want to do that which you know um they're showing that they're flexing their muscle a little bit it's not a secret the the oil one day is not going to be under the ground <laughs> and so they're preparing for that day they're preparing for the day where the oil ain't going to be there so they want to be they want to be more tourist friendly so they're trying to change the image of the country which you know they're doing and make it a tourist attraction to go that's right. to Saudi Arabia and make it the sports mecca as one of those attractions to pull you in like Las Vegas has gambling well they want to have sports where there be the mecca of sports in the world and that'll make them the tourist capital of the world um so I would just I know that again when you have that kind of money, it's kind of hard to respect money because, I mean, everywhere you walk, there's money because it's under the ground, <laughs> right? So everywhere you walk, there's, there's, you're walking on top of money. You're not walking on top of money as, as wealthy as you are, but I'm not walking on top of money, but they're walking on top of money. But even with that, why do you waste money on some of those fights we again we got lucky we got a few good ones we got an upset so we're i think we're happy but some of those they could have taken that money 
instead of flying in the opponent from Australia, and we'll break them all down and I'll go into specifics, but instead of doing that, they could have used it for a, a, a real fight. They could have used it to buy another Bugatti. You have any Bugattis, by the way? <laughs> no, no, no. If I had a if no. I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't drive a Bugatti. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. But they uh, they could have done something a, a little bit more useful with the money than some of those guys they brought in. I, I mean, one guy got hit. He he like I felt bad for him. He shook a little bit. I, I think it was the second fight of the the card. Uh, it was the first fight I started watching. He shook a little bit, and and the first thing I thought is he's allergic to punches. You know what I mean? Like he's having an uh, allergic reaction to punches. I, I and and then the one that they made a big deal about, Opataya, uh, the the cruiserweight. Oh, now yeah, listen, yeah, I love him. Good. No, no, I I yeah. love the guy. I think he's. A terrific cruiserweight. I think he's the best one out there. I do. He punches. He's a good offensive fighter. I love him. But don't go crazy over knocking out a guy 17-0 who's never fought anybody. And all his fights have been in London. Now, let me qualify that and make it very clear. The city of London, not, not England... Not not the country of England. Just all he's never fought outside the city of London. And <laughs> he fought a few bankers. At cruiserweight to be 17 and 0 with only six knockouts at cruiserweight? Red flag. He huge yeah. red flag. Listen, Ken, like I say, he fought a lot of doormen. But not <laughs> but not even international doormen. Nope. Dorman just from one area in London, like maybe a two block <laughs> radius. I think and, he fought some drunk uh, bankers. I, I, so don't go, please don't go ballistic. Don't go ballistic the way they did when he knocks the guy out. He's a southpaw Obataya. He knocked him out with a nice left hand. But the but the opponent they almost killed him. But the opponent <laughs> pulled straight back, put his head up in there, hit me, hit me, and he hit him. <laughs> And, and he knocked them cold, okay. But to go nuts over, again, context. It's, it's got to matter who, who the guy fought. Yeah, he's seven. Oh, he knocked out a 17-year-old guy. Oh, my God, he's the, uh, the reincarnation of Bob Foster. I, I don't know who. But wait a minute. Again, context. It does matter who the guy got 17 and all with. It does matter. It really does. And spend some of the money on bring someone on. I'm not knocking commentators, but spend. I understand they're do, they're over there. They're getting the money. I went over there. I got money. I'm I'm not being a hypocrite, but they're over there getting the money from the Saudis. They feel they have to do that. No, you still have to keep your credibility. You still, you still have to keep it credible. You had a chance to yell later when some of the fights became real. That's fine. But, but when they're not real, you can't do that. Maybe the Saudis should spend an extra million dollars to bring over one guy that maybe will keep it real. That, 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 uh, or somebody that, uh, that it just won't go really jumping through 400 hoops when, when there's no hoops to jump through. 
You know, just don't jump when you don't have to jump. Uh, uh, wait until it's real, then jump. Then go ballistic if you want. But otherwise, really, it starts to become obvious. Oh, yeah, they got they got paid to go over there. They're do- and they're, you know, they're really, really, really building up and blowing up this whole thing over in Saudi. They're, fine, I get it. You are there for that. But keep it real. Keep it a little bit real. You know who I like on that broadcast, though, is Tony Bellew, former cruiserweight from UK. No, I like that guy. Job. Well, you love his I accent. Like him. You love his accent. And I, I uh, like... He's just got like... A, I like his attitude. I like his mentality. No, no, I like him because he shoots, he shoots it straight. That's right. Because he shoots say, it straight. His say, you know, when you suck on... His say, wait a minute. Uh, that's... Yeah. You know, he cut through the hyper poll and, and he'll say, but wait a minute, what do we... That, what do we really see here? That's 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 right. Let's stop. Let's not bring out the anointment oils to anoint the guy <laughs> into the boxing, you know, hall of fame. That's that's wait a couple minutes. He also has like credibility as like a really tough guy and a good fighter, but he strikes me as the type of guy that would slap someone well, during the I, broadcast. I, if he, he's, I like, I like him. him. He just tells the truth. Me of the UFC broadcasters. That's why I like. Yes, him. exactly. Because, because That's right. For the most part, those guys they they keep it real. I mean, and, and listen. Oh, for sure. It's a little easier with them. First of all, every one of them is really, really versatile what they do. They're really, I mean, they're not just guys that, you know, showed up. They're, I mean, these are guys that know the sport, that have been in the sport. Um, they can really speak on the sport in a proper way. But it's a little easier because they get given competitive fights to do a lot more than you get in boxing. That that's You have to say that. They they get better material. They get better. Yeah. They they if they're going out there for a screen test or going out there to do a movie, they're getting the material that De Niro and Pacino get. Then they're not right. they're not getting the stuff that Pee Wee Herman was getting. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or whatever, uh, whatever. <laughs> they they getting they getting real scripts. They're getting real yeah. scripts to read, to to feel like a real movie actor, and to perform like a movie. In the UFC, you get real stuff. In the boxing, you, you get some real, and you got a lot of stuff, quite frankly, that is is uh, B material. It's it's spaghetti movies. Uh, it, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Unfortunately. Yeah. Independent horror films. But look, seven hours of watching it, um, first, full disclosure, right from the top, I was wrong about both main fights. I I pick Wallen and I pick Wilder out of the box, right out of the box. I was wrong. I was wrong about both those. And you know what? It it turned out to uh, the Wilder fight became became the one of the best fights because a couple reasons. Not that it was great action every round, but you were on the edge of your chair because you were watching the making of an upset and you know how explosive Wilder is. So you That's were waiting. Exactly right. You were just waiting. It was kind of like watching one of those those movies, you know, those thriller movies 
where you you know that Freddy Krueger might jump out of the closet at any moment. Yeah, well, let, let's not get too far into that because I want to get you. Th- yeah, I, so I want to talk go, about it, that exact concept. Oh, one let's other thing in. I want to tell you. Look forward to this. I didn't tell you and Rob. Uh, I want our folks to hear it. We're going to have Joe Parker and his trainer on the show probably next week. Um, we'll, we'll figure out exactly. They're flying back from Saudi uh, right now, so uh, we couldn't get him on right now. But we'll probably. He may be making a guest appearance here in my office in a few minutes. Stay tuned. If you're watching on YouTube, stick around. Joe Parker may be popping in for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna have them on probably next week uh, because Keith Sullivan, my friend and the attorney who works with my foundation, is he's a great attorney in Brooklyn, New York, Manhattan. Um, does a great job, but he's also partners with the trainer for for Parker, who did a great job, uh, Andy Lee. He's partners with him with a fighter over in Ireland, a, a undefeated welterweight prospect. I I said it before his last fight, which he really looked good. Uh, I said that I thought he was the best prospect coming out of Ireland, out of all these Irish, there's a lot of good Irish prospects coming up. I thought Paddy Donovan, that's who it is, uh, is the top prospect, and he's looking like he is right now, to be quite frank. But um, Keith Sullivan and Andy Lee co-manage him, so, of course, Andy Lee trains Parker, so they're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get him on, so that'll be, that'll be good. That'll be good. Let's start with the Let's start with the first fight uh, that I saw. Anyway, I know it was the second fight of the card. I know that. Um, I know what was it? Sanchez was the first one. Um, yeah, Frank Sanchez. Yeah, Frank Sanchez was the first one. He 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 won by knockout or win some rounds. I I believe it was probably one sided, but um, yeah, it was the the fight that I started with, and then I never moved my from my seat was flip. Hogovic uh, against Damari, right? Yeah, Philippe Hergovic uh, absolutely destroys Mark Damori. How Mark Damori, the Australian, had a um, again? Had a record. Why spend the airfare <laughs> for him to come from Australia? Really? I know though. Again, I know that oil money it don't mean anything. I get it, but come on, use it for use it for something else use it for an extra rig card girl i i don't know he was 41 2 and 2 which is crazy because hergovich made him look like he literally came out of the crowd with no experience he turned his back one one round how many shots could he have possibly been hit with to turn his a, back a guy with a Big resume in amateurs. He's a bronze medalist. Bronze medalist. Moves to seventeen and zero as a heavyweight. But I mean, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. But where they found a guy with a forty-one and two and two with thirty-six knockouts to come in and look the way he did against Hergovich, and I'm not trying to knock the guy, but good lord, how did he get so many wins? Who was he fighting? He got in with one really good guy. Hergovic is a top, top guy. He should be contending right, I'm for the title here. I'm going to add you. A Go for flippant, it. A little flippant. You know, I'm, I'm known for that once in a while. And I'm pretty serious, too. I'm both, you know. And I'm, I'm neurotic and everything else. But you've, you've driven past cemeteries. <laughs> okay? Now... 
don't do your road work. I know you're running all over the freaking place. You're the great <laughs> marathoner. You're the great. Remind everyone out there. I'll remind them. You're the best marathoner in the world uh, at 50 and over. In the world. Run, you run a, you run a, a below 230 marathon. What is your best Correct. time? 225, 226? 228. All right, 228. Pretty damn good. So... Don't do any running near cemeteries because you might fall into an open hole, okay? <laughs> because that's the answer to how they get some of these opponents that build up their record. There's your answer. There's your answer. And now look, obviously not literally, but the you can build. I, I wasn't joking. You want to be 10-0? I'll get you 10-0. I know where to go. I'll take you to the places we can build. You can build up anybody's record if you know how to do it. And and you can find, and, and, you're, and you've asked the right question for the fans. How do they find that many guys for this guy to beat? But you can, you can find them. Because there's no, because you go to places where the commission doesn't even exist. So you can bring, you can bring your brother in. And listen, Rocky Marciano, by the way, the great Rocky Marciano. I'm not demeaning him. The great. One of the greatest heavyweights ever. I know it's a different era. He was smaller. All that. Only heavyweight champ to retire undefeated. Great fighter. Great fighter. And I don't want to hear that he fought Ezra Charles and Walcott when they were in their 30s. Because they were in their prime in their 30s. Some fighters are in their prime in their 30s. He, he beat great fighters. But on his way up, while he was being built up like everybody can... To answer your question, it looks like he may have fought his brother. <laughs> the only thing I want to say is, yeah, you, I get it, 10, 15, maybe even 20, but 41 and 2, like, what the hell is the purpose? Like, you would have built up the record so that they could get a payday. Do you remember like, Dwayne uh, Bobbick? Dwayne Bobbick was supposed to be the next white hope, the white hope, uh, heavyweight hope. Um, he, was, he was in the Olympics he got knocked out by the great Stevenson uh, from Cuba, uh, one of the only three people to ever win three gold medals in three different, three Olympics, gold medals in three different Olympics, the great uh, Teofimo Stevenson. And he, he turned pro, and they got him to somewhere around 50-0. and 0. Uh, uh, Look it up. Ask Rob to Google it. One of you guys Googled the damn thing. He got... He, they got him to about 50 and 0, something like that. So that there's your, your answer. And then he fought his first real live fight against Ken Norton. And it didn't go well. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. Is that an echo over here? It didn't go well. He <laughs> was 115 and 13. Okay. Teofilo. Teofilo. All right. Now, that the great Teofilo was the great you know, Olympian, amateur. And um, they were trying to get him to come over here. Castro ran everything. The Cubans couldn't come over here unless they escaped. And they, they couldn't fight professionals, so they only fought amateur. He, he, fought, he won three, three Olympics, gold medal. They were talking about bringing him over to fight Ali when Ali was champ. It never happened. Um, he was very committed to Cuba and to Castro. Castro was a big, you know, big, big boxing uh Big boxing guy over there. So, anyway, Dwayne Bopic was undefeated. He had a lot of wins. Did you find it yet? 
And they finally put him in with somebody. They put him with Ken Norton. And Ken Norton, if my memory serves me correctly, obliterated him in one round. Dwayne Bobbick was 38-0 when he fought Ken Norton. Yes, 38-0. Not, I knew he didn't have losses. Come on. All right, so 38-0. So, Ken, to your question, how do, how do guys get to those records? It's been going on forever in boxing. You know where to go to get the, to build the records up, and you go there, and you build the records up. The only problem is, like Newton said, what goes up must come down, baby. <laughs> That's the problem. That's when you run into a problem because sooner or later you got to actually fight somebody. And when you do, Ken Norton knocks you out in one round. <laughs> Just like Mark Tamori. It was, uh, it was embarrassing, honestly. It was so one-sided. It was... All right, so... All right, next fight up, next fight up. Jai Apatia knocks out Elvis Zorro in the first round. Again, embarrassing mismatch. And um, the only bright spot there was uh, Mauricio Suleiman, quick to point out that because he initiated the four-rope rule in boxing, if you notice, Zorro's head was just about to hit the canvas, but it caught the fourth rope and probably saved him from a much scarier knockout. Suleiman was quick to point out that, thank God for him in the WBC and the fourth rope rule that they uh, basically were responsible for saving Zorro. Probably been waiting 20 years to jump in with that line. Nevertheless, well, did he, did he, while he was taking credit for that, did he also yeah. <laughs> take, did he also take credit or apologize for all the years, all the years of having these 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 joke of rankings of guys number one <laughs> fighting for mandatories and and they couldn't fight their way out of a a, a wet paper bag and they, and they and he makes them number one mandatories and then when it's over with and the guy gets obliterated everybody says how did he become a number one man well go ask Suleiman go ask him how <laughs> or go or, or when he makes rules when he makes rules you know that that are good for some but but not good for all you know uh there's certain exceptions like canelo or whoever that no matter what <laughs> you can stay inactive for 400 years and still be still be rated franchise franchised and still be champion and still be this and still be that and meanwhile somebody else who's not in the club who's not in the club God forbid they get a cold. <laughs> God forbid they get sick and they can't fight for a little while. They're, they're, they're out. They're out. But other guys could be Bingo. inactive literally for two years, two and a half years. But he put in the fourth rope rule. But he put and, the fourth uh, rope in. But he put the fourth well. rope in. Oh, thank God. All right. Okay. All right. Jayapati. How, easy how about, work. How about not allowing guys to fight so their head don't hit the fourth rope. <laughs> How about that for a novel idea? Exactly. Ken, is that exactly. a novel idea? Do I get the Nobel Prize for that? Some kind of Nobel uh, Laureate Prize for that? Uh, how about that? How about don't put in guys into fights way over their head by ranking them because you're doing business. Don't put them in fights where their health is at risk, where they could get killed in the ring, where they could get hurt in the ring, where their head hits the fourth rope. <laughs> Don't, how about that? How about that? Stop making those kind of matches. Fair. 
<laughs> I think it is. Okay, so Opataya, I like him. 23-0, now he's 24-0, a southpaw, good puncher, uh, 2012 Olympian uh, from Australia. I like him. I, I think I called his fight for the NBC in those Olympics. That was my last Olympics uh, where I worked him for NBC after working four straight Olympics. So I like him. I think he's the best cruiserweight probably. I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody right now. But... um. There's somebody else out there who's a top cruiserweight. I'm trying to... Oh, the the kid that moved up from super middleweight to light heavyweight, and then he just moved up before Joe Smith to cruiserweight. Um, uh, the the kid from Mexico. Uh, he just beat Joe Smith, and he's campaigning... Gilber- Gilberto Ramirez. Yeah, he's campaigning at Cruiser now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yep. I think he... Him and o- Opataya, the best cruiserweights out there. So they only have him ranked number nine on the ESPN rankings who, in the cruiserweight division. Who's who's that? Who's that kid? Uh, they they have Gilberto Ramirez only ranked as they got him ranked number nine in the yeah. cruiserweight rankings. Well, he just he he just fought his first fight at cruiserweight, so maybe they're gonna you know they're 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 waiting for the check to clear. I mean, they're waiting for. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I did not mean that's a Freudian. Uh, what do they call that? Ken, it's a Freudian, a, slip. A Freudian <laughs> slip. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't really. It's and I haven't been drinking eggnog. Um, it, it's. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm sorry. Um, no. I mean, uh, he just fought his first fight at cruiserweight, and they're just waiting for him to, you know, they're they're waiting for him to ferment a little bit. You know, like you wait, <laughs> you wait for a cider to ferment or wine to ferment. They're they're just waiting a minute. Look, bottom line is. Obataya, good fighter. He didn't need to be in there with Zorro or Oro. I, I mean, uh, his name's Zorro. I, if you would have gave him a sword, I don't think he would. I don't think he could have won with a sword, Zorro. You know that, Ken? I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> you remember Zorro, don't you? <laughs> of course. With the sword, and he made the Z on your shirt and all that stuff. He was so quick with the sword, and he wore the mask. If you gave this sorrow of a sword, I still would have taken Opatia. I um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I just, I felt sorry for the kid. Seventeen and zero, and he fought nobody. And then you put him in. You talk about going from the wading pool to the ocean. I mean, really. And they throw this kid in like that. Oh boy. And and then and then the commentators called an incredible performance, and like I said, based on what knocking cold a guy who's never fought anyone, who stood up tall and just exposed his chin and pulled back and basically said, "Here, hit me." I I, I don't get it. <laughs> I I mean the poor kid. Look, he had the guts to go take the fight, but they shouldn't have. His handlers, really, they they should be reprimanded. For for mismanagement, putting them in because you you go from fighting nobody on your resume to fighting this guy. Uh, I, <laughs> well, and that's what it looked like. I mean, they almost it, got they almost know, got him killed. Oh, uh, oh. Uh, anyway, the next one, it was the first real fight of the night, um, of the day over here. And go ahead, can you introduce it because. I don't want to even try. I don't even want to try <laughs> to say this. Ajit Kabeel drops Alson 
Arslan Beck Makhmadev. Three times, stop him in the fourth round, shocker, knocked him out with body shots, just broke him down. Um, this was, like you said, this was the one fight that I was like, well, with the Wilder Parker fight was, I thought was super entertaining and interesting, if not one sided. Oh, um, but yeah, this guy. It became uh, one sided, but, but Capo oh, yeah. had to work to make it one sided. And yep. he had to so, take risks. Ajit- Ajit Kabe moves to 24 and 0. He's the European champion. Pulled off a huge unexpected shock. Our fourth round knockout of undefeated puncher Arslanbek Makhmedev, uh, who goes to 18 and 1 with 17 knockouts in four rounds. Um, like I said, huge knockout. A uh, huge, uh, huge upset. How'd you like it? He comes from the same team as Better Beef, too, I believe. Uh, oh, some, wow. Same area in the in the world. But Makhmedev. Magmadov, as you said, going in 18 and 0, 17 knockouts. Look, he, he was like, he was George Foreman when he faced Ali, you know, where Ali faced the boogeyman, the mummy, Frankenstein, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he stood up to him and broke him down. And then, but George Foreman, of course, Magmadov would pray and get on his knees. He could have a career like George Foreman or become a man like George Foreman. Maybe he can, but he's got a long way to go because George Foreman suffered for 10 years after that loss to Ali and then Jimmy Young and 10 years to exercise those ghosts, the internal ghosts. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're in your attic. Can't get rid of them. You have to get rid of them yourself. And you got to go face the music. And George Foreman came back and at the age of 45, he faced the music from that night in Zaire, and he got redemption. Uh, great man, George Foreman, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. His second act was arguably better than his first act, or, or at least as good, because there were two lives to George Foreman, the, the one before Ali, the one after. Uh, but what he learned from that first one, he came back and put it to use in his second life. And I have nothing but respect for Foreman, but it was similar to that. Magmadov got exposed by Cabriel. Cabriel. Uh, and um, Cabriel, 23 0, now he's 24 0, he was 15. Look, it goes to show you why it's important to have fought somebody. Because Cabriel had been tested. You know, he was European champion, I believe, two times. He, he'd been in real fights where Magmadov just was. You know, he's doing what Foreman was doing to a certain extent before Ali. You know, I mean, uh, although I shouldn't say that. Foreman was in there with Ron Lyle. He got dropped. He got off the floor. He showed a great chin, great heart. Um, of course, he knocked out Joe Frazier, but that didn't turn out to be competitive. Um, but but he did face the great Joe Frazier, um, who probably had a lot taken out of him uh, after that first Ali fight in the Garden. Um so, I mean, Foreman had fought guys, but still, Foreman was the boogeyman. Foreman was the bully on the block, and nobody had been able to stand up to him. And to the credit of Capiel, not only did he take the fight, he knew what he was going to do. He knew what he could do. And that's the benefit of having been in real fights, that you know where you can go. You know what you can handle. You know you can depend on yourself. You know you can put a light on in a dark room. That was the advantage Capio had. And a lot of these guys, you know, they 
they haven't fought real fights in that sense, in that way, to find out those things. Yeah, Magomedov knew that he could punch. Yeah, he knew he could walk through guys. Yeah, he knew he could intimidate guys. But did he know that he himself could be depended on when those lights started flickering a little bit? He didn't know that yet. He hadn't been in that kind of fight. He found out. He found out the hard way, all at once, without having the benefit of having been in one of those fights to prepare for this. He wasn't prepared for this, mentally, technically, physically, at all. To the credit of Cabrera, he's he's my favorite fighter right now. I love the guy. I love him, not only because he knows how to fight. He technically was better than Magomedov, yes. And he, he outboxed him. He, his punches were sweeter. They were shorter. He could counterpunch. He could press. He could, he could move around, pick spots, pot shot, use the ring when he had to the first round, you know, to, to get a sense of what was going on, to kind of, uh, you know, kind of like a, a lion in the prairie, a lion going out there in, in, the, in the wild, just kind of, looking over the the territory, you know, getting a feel for the territory, what's out there. That's that's what Cabiel did the first round, moving laterally, looking for spots, you know, just surveying the land, figuring out what he's going to do later. But he he could do all those things. But you know why I love the guy, Ken? I why? I love him because he, not just because he knows how to fight like a fighter, he knows how to behave like a fighter. When 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 push came to shove, and it always does, when the moment of truth came and he had to behave like a fighter, he behaved like a fighter. He 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 not only boxed, but once he realized he could expose this guy, he went into the lion's den. He did. He opened up the lion's mouth and put his freaking head right in there. He yep. he went right and that's how he broke him down. He could have kept boxing, but then Makhmadov would have had a chance to land something because he wouldn't have been broken down. So what did he do? He boxed, he picked spots, he was smart, but then he started pressing the envelope and he knew that he could do it. He knew he could get in the eye of the storm and be safe because that's what good fighters learn, that you can be safe inside the wider puncher. You can punch inside. You can get off and get out before he gets off. You can press him back. You, you can make him miss in close and then hit him right back and give him a taste of his own medicine. And they don't like a taste of their own medicine. These guys who have always had it their way. They don't like a taste of their own medicine, Ken. So he knew that, yeah, I can box all night, but if I press, I'm going to get rid of this guy. I'm going to break this guy down in the core of where he should be broken down, right here, in his heart and mm. his mind. I'm, I'm gonna, yep. I'm gonna take all hope away because his hope is that he can land something big. He can push it back. I'm, I'm gonna push him back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bully the bully, so to speak. And man, and he went to the body and he stopped him with three consecutive body shots. Dropped him what fourth round, whatever round that was. He yep, dropped, dropped, dropped him three times with with body shot, but he broke him down. He showed all his assets. He showed all his dimensions. Not only can he use his legs and box on the outside, he could go inside. He could move his head, make you miss, bang, weave a punch, bang, right there. And that's what he did. And that's how he got rid of this guy in four. And that's how he got Teddy Atlas talking about him. On, on this kind of level, 
That's how he got it. That's what impressed me. His mind, his heart, his 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 behavior of a fighter. When I say those little things about guys like Shakur Stevenson, I want to make a point here. <laughs> Stevenson is a tremendous talent, tremendous fighter. He's not a big heavyweight. I get it. He's a small guy, but he's got great talent. He can box. This guy, Cabello, he can box too. But he chooses what he sees he can to go and press and get to the guy. Like Sugar Ray Leonard, like Pernell Whitaker used to do. All great boxers. But when they see they can also get to the guy, they go get to the guy. They take that risk. They do it smart. They do it with talent. They do it with great ability. But they do it because they want to do it. Because they want to be more than a guy who just escapes with a win because he's too fast and he's too slick. But if they see a chance to be more, they want to be more. And Cabello is that guy. And that's why I'm not knocking Shakur Stevenson. He's a, he gets all, oh, tell you, you know, he says, oh, like I'm knocking him, like I'm hating. I'm not hating. I'm giving him his accolades. He's a tremendous boxer. He's a, he's, He's a special boxer with his speed, his defensive acumen, with his instincts, with his reflexes, everything. Roy Jones was that. But Roy Jones went and got you too. That's why I talk about Roy Jones. That's why I talk about him like he's special. And you, because you got to step up and be special, not just be specially talented, but be special with your talent, with the way that you use your talent. That you'll go once in a while and push the envelope. You'll go once in a while and freaking take the bull by the horn. You'll go once in a while and go into the lion's den and take the teeth out of the lion and leave them, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And that's what I saw. I haven't seen it with Stevenson. Maybe someday you will. Maybe you will someday. But... I seen it with Capiel, and that's why I'm talking this way. I love this guy. Man, oh man. I like I love Sugar Ray Leonard, all those guys, everybody knows that already. But I, I he he didn't just fight like a fighter, he behaved like a fighter, the the kind of fighter you want. I haven't heard you talk this highly of someone in a long time. Does he sp- I didn't see the interview after the fight with him. Does he speak English? Do you happen to remember? I don't. I didn't remember that. Or like, if he I does, it'd be I, good to have a conversation with him. I think he does. Well, if he speaks English and he heard this, love to have him on and have a chat with him. I haven't heard you talk this highly about someone in a long time. So, and he was smart. Congrats too. to Cabell. The only thing I was worried about, I thought he was engaging in spots too much, but he wasn't. He knew. He knew. He knew. You know, because I was like, the only chance that this. Mark Madoff, who who never been really tested, but he can punch, and he's big, and he's intimidating if you let him intimidate you. And, of course, this guy didn't let him intimidate him. And the one chance Mark Madoff had was if he, if if Capiel engaged too long with him. And there was some spots where I was like, oh, whoa, he might be engaging a little too long, but he knew what the hell he was doing. He knew what the hell he was doing. He made a mess. He stayed. He pushed the guy back, and... He 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 didn't break the guy physically only. He broke the guy spiritually. He 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 just he took his will away. He just 
You know, he took the wind away by going to the body, but he he took his spirit away. He took his will to fight away. Anyway, next. Oh, by the way, I saw Haney. I saw Haney. They were using Haney, who who's on my pound for pound list. You know, he's he's one of the top pound for pound guys. Man, he looked big. That's all. I just want to say that. And, and and I'm not knocking him. I mean, after a fight, after training camp, you're gonna you gotta go live and 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 you put some weight on. But I see it. I see it with all fighters. And he he but got. I mean, he's for one thing. He, Ken, he got big. He looks big. But here's the point I'm making. I can't believe that guy make used to make 135. Now he's 140. I he is big. Teddy made 145, and then 24 hours later, he weighed in at 165, and I heard an interview with him on the Great Ariel Halani show, and he said, yeah, that's accurate. I put on 25 pounds, and he said, listen, most people don't do the day of weigh-in. It was like some states are mandatory, some states are optional. He's like, but a lot of fighters do this. It's just highlighted when someone does it this extreme, but he's like, he's not the first person to do it, and other people have done it, but he is... A big dude who has the ability to really like wring the sponge and get as light as possible. And when you're muscular, muscles hold a lot of water. So it's you know, you can you can lose a lot, but yeah, to your point, he looks huge when he's um when he's not cutting weight. I don't know how he's gonna keep making one forty. I tell you, I guess he's gonna go to one forty seven. He's big. Yeah, he said he said he'll go to one forty seven, but maybe in a year or two. At least that's what he said on the interview. So we'll see. I don't think um, it would be an interesting fight to see him move up and fight uh, someone like um, Terence Crawford. But I think if he's smart, he'd give it a couple more years and let Terence Crawford get a little longer in the tooth. Because right now, Terence Crawford looks to be a wrecking ball. I mean, everyone is going to be a challenge to Terence Crawford. They say, and every single person has been exposed more or less and just been like run over by him. I think. He doesn't get as much love as he deserves. No, you're right. The only guy that I put in the same column as Crawford is in a way. In a way in Crawford, yeah. those two guys. In action, who's in action in a couple of days from uh, Japan. It's unfortunate that the fights are always in Japan on like a Tuesday night and it just doesn't get the exposure. But I think if he could get some uh, primetime viewing in the U.S., he'd get much more um, love from the U.S. fan base. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think he does from the hardcore, but there's only a small percentage of boxing fans are really hardcore. I'm sure the ones that are hardcore now are going to attack me on Twitter like they did with the AJ pick, but I'll get to that in a minute. Um, next up, Dimitri Bevo, Lyndon Arthur. Um, Dimitri Bevo back in action. Like I said, he was out for, I think, 11 months. Uh, comes back against the British fighter, um, Arthur Lyndon. Uh, sorry, Lyndon Arthur. And early in the fight, like I honestly thought, and I, again, I, I hope I don't get attacked for this. I can just tell the truth of what I felt. It looked to me like um, like Arthur was almost scared in the first, second round. I even said to you and Rob, I'm like, this guy looks scared. But to in his to his credit, I think he like kind of picked it up a little bit and the fight became a little bit more competitive. And... Um, Dimitri Bevel ends up getting, drops him in the 11th and then gets a one-sided decision, 120-107 on all three scorecards. Basically one-sided fight, but I thought that the guy at least didn't look scared midway towards the end, midway through the fight and towards the end of the fight. But in the beginning, he did not look comfortable in there. What'd you see? It's always hard to fight a guy who's not really trying to win. He's just trying to survive. And Bevel wanted to get a knockout. He's not known as a knockout guy right now. But, and he hasn't had a knockout for a long time. But 
for me, he's the third best fighter pound for pound in the world right now, behind behind Crawford and in a way. And he's technically he's a master class. He's a master class of the sweet science boxing one oh one. Uh you know, in and out combinations, defense, offense, counter-punching, getting off first. Like I said, running numbers on punches, putting four, five, six, seven punches together. Great legs. Uh, Lomachenko used to have the best legs in boxing. Mikey Garcia years ago had really great legs in boxing. I think Beaver might have the best legs right now in boxing. He, he controls range, distance, really just beautifully. Again, I think it came down, Ken, it was not an entertaining fight, but it was a it was a masterclass. It was a masterclass, you know, if you like watching, you know, pitching in baseball where a pitcher just dominates hitters, then you like watching Beevil because he just, he didn't even give out the chance to get up to bat. And, and that's where the inherent problem was. I don't know if Arthur intended to get to bat other than to just get to the plate and, and just, you know, look to get walked. Because he wasn't really putting an effort. And, and, and to people's credit, he wasn't given a chance. He was blitzed. But Arthur wasn't given an effort to really take the risk to win. He's a good defensive fighter. He knows how to fight Arthur. Uh, I don't think the commentators gave enough credit to his defensive abilities. They did point out that he was trying to survive, not win, and they're right. But there was a couple barrages there where the commentators, I thought at least, mistakenly said, oh, Arthur just took a million punches. No, he didn't. He blocked, he slipped, he slid. If he took them all, people would have gotten his knockout. That's what kept him from getting the knockout people wanted that Arthur wasn't really trying to take chance. He wasn't putting himself out there where he would leave himself open. And he was a he was an he had a PhD in defense. He had a PhD in defense. He was slipping, he was sliding, he was blocking, he had good eyes. He was concentrated on surviving. And that's exactly what he did. And when they said that Bevo just landed, you know, four hundred punches on no he didn't. They, he was. If he did again, he would have got rid of him. The only thing I thought Beaver was missing was going to the body more. And finally, in the eleventh round, he went to the body, and he dropped Arthur. And that's where I thought he should have been going early on a little more. I'm surprised his corner didn't get on him a little bit more about that. But he's a great fighter, and 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 he's mentally great. He's focused. He's no nonsense. Um, him and Better be if it's the fight we want to see now. You know, he beat, he already beat, uh, obviously, uh, Canelo. We we want to see, I know it was at 175, I get it, but that was Canelo's choice to go up to his weight class to fight. Canelo had fought at 175 before. He he had beaten a former world champion, uh, what's his name, Kovalev, at 175. Didn't he take a title from Kovalev? Did, did Kovalev have a belt at the time? I feel like he might have. Yeah, Maybe he, I'm wrong. No, I don't know if he... He might have. I, f- I feel like I don't he know. did, and then, and then Bevel took him, but I'll, I'll check. it. keep going. I'll, I'll check. And Kovalev was getting older. Kovalev was a little past himself. You know, whatever. But the bottom line is, Bevel is tremendous. The fight we want to see now is Better Beef. I I love Better Beef. He's a warrior. 
He's a monster. He's undefeated just like Bevo, but he's got all knockouts. He goes to the body. He can punch like hell. Uh, nobody escapes with, with him. He gets to everybody. Uh, you know, he's he's technically sound. He, even though you can hit him, he's technically sound. He He's always putting pressure on you. He, he you know, he just... He breaks people down physically and mentally, uh, Better Beef. It would be really interesting to see Better Beef. And that's the only interesting fight I, I, I want to see right now at light heavyweight. I want to see Better Beef and Bevo. Can Better Beef break down Bevo? Can his pressure, power, attitude, because he's he's just, he's got like a cold. He's got like one of those warrior colds that, that comes from that certain part of the world, like, like Khabib in the UFC, you know, MMA, that comes from that part of the world where you live by a warrior's code of pride, of, of not, of, of not letting, letting, not breaking that code, not letting down uh, the people that abide by that code, like a tradition. And better be of, is that guy to me that, that really lives by that code. I think Bevo is one of those rare guys that he's technically better, he's physically faster and all that. He doesn't have the power of better be of, but he's, he's on a different plane technically and he has more options than better be of. But he also mentally is strong enough to deal with better be of. That's the thing that I think would allow Bevo to win that fight, where I would probably pick him. But I want to see that fight. I want to see if the the power and the force, just just the the what I just described, the 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 brute force and belief, the the mentality of a warrior of better be of can break through the technique of Bevo. I, I want to see that. I love to the only thing I'm worried about, Ken is Bevo's 40 years old now, and he's going to be 41 yeah. before they fight. And you get old. You do. You get old. And you're a guy like Bevo that's been in wars, and he had all those amateur fights. Better be if I'm talking about. And he had all those amateur fights. You start to wear out a little bit. So I don't know if that's happened already with Better be if, but before it's even yeah, later. Bevo's 33. Yeah, I'd like to see that fight. Again, I think the age might play in there a little bit, but the contrasting styles, I I just want to see it. To finish up on the Arthur fight, uh, Bevo had his way, but I know that a lot of people were disappointed. They thought it was boring. Again, it was a master class of boxing. Uh, if you're bored by that, you shouldn't watch boxing, I guess. But I shouldn't say that. I, I You want to see excitement. You want to see uh, knockdowns and all that stuff. But like you said, when one guy's trying simply to survive, well, that's what can what it you was. do? You're not going to go put yourself in harm's way to like do something stupid to like take crazy risk. He just broke him down. I mean, he controlled every single no, second of the entire fight. I mean, the guy landed a couple punches, but geez, it was not competitive at all. When a guy don't want to be knocked out, it's very hard. Very hard. Exactly. And again, the only thing that I could give him a little bit of, uh, just a tiny bit of, what do you call it, not grief, but correction on, would be he should have went to the body sooner. He finally went to the body, Bevo, in the 11th. He dropped Arthur. 
Um, but you know, the it was towards the end of the round. Arthur survived, and then Bevo went after him in the twelfth. You know, tried to tried to get rid of him. Opened up with a fusillage of punches. But again, he didn't go to the body enough. I thought he should have went to the body more. But Arthur's uh, a good defensive wizard in there, concentrated on defense, and he got he got what he concentrated on. He got it. He got he got a chance to go the distance with uh, with Beevil. And by the way, um, Canelo did win the WBO World Light Heavyweight Title from Kovalev back in November of excuse me 2019 so then when he fought um bevel he must have he must have uh vacated that title because when he fought bevel it looks like only the wba title was on the line uh, i'll check and see who's got the wbo in the light heavyweight but um yeah that will be um interesting to see what's next it's the only fight anyone wants to see i think um i think that better bf has uh is it lamb smith coming up next Callum Smith. Oh, Callum Smith. Uh, they're fighting on January 13th. Uh, what's that? Three weeks uh, in Quebec City. Uh, I don't think this is going to go very well for Callum Smith, but TBD. I'm sorry to the Brits. Please don't attack anytime I uh, give an opinion that doesn't align with them. They're very aggressive to me. Um, nevertheless, I wouldn't jump that quick to say Smith's got no chance. First of all, I don't think he has no chance. I just don't think. No, oh, uh, um, listen, uh, Callan, Well, so far uh, you've been right. Nobody, so far nobody goes well. Nobody's done well at the end with better be at the end of the day. That's my point. But that's my uh, point. he is 40, 41, whatever he is. Um, he is getting to those dangerous shadows of time where things can change dramatically. Better be if it says only 38, by the way. Oh, so maybe I'm wrong. All right. I thought it was 40. Okay. That's what BoxRec has. No, no. Then I'm going to say I'm wrong. Um, I When I'm wrong, I say it right away. Made his debut 10 years ago in 2013, June of 13. But he had a lot of amateur fights. Pro I don't know, debut. somewhere That's around right. 300. Um, you know, and like I say, it's one thing to judge of somebody chronologically with their age but in boxing you got to judge them by the amount of fights the amount of punches they've taken uh that has something to do with it and i i just think better be of getting close to that place but look he's great um i i think he'll beat smith but i think smith will give a good account of himself and I also... The other thing worth noting is Better Beav hasn't really taken any punishment per se. I mean, against Alex Vosdick, he went 10 rounds, but he didn't get battered. Then he was in with Adam Daines, Marcus Brown, Joe Smith Jr., but never did we see Better Beav getting battered around the ring. Like, some of these guys can take a lot of punishment. He's been doling out the punishment, so that's worth considering, too. He is getting older, but as a pro... He hasn't taken big punishment. No, I mean, he's he's been in some fights where he's been um he's been he's been touched up a little bit. I'm trying to remember. He got cut really bad in one fight, but that was the only time I remember him really like looking like he was in a fight. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been hurt in fights. Um I'm trying to remember if he's been dropped. But I know I've seen him, I use the word buzzed, um, yeah, you know, a, few time, a few times. But yeah, and but when you, you got to add those amateur fights too. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. 
But Park, um, let's go to Miller and Dubois. Du, Dubois, Jarrell, big baby Miller. The <laughs> what do you even say about this guy? I think he's got three suspensions for doping. They finally apparently give him some tests, and he shows up at three hundred and thirty-three pounds. That's just offensive to professional athletes everywhere. He's in with um, Dubois, who comes in at two thirty-three and look like a fine-tuned machine and um i actually thought the fight was kind of entertaining and then of course we get the stoppage with about 10 seconds to go daniel dubois stops big baby miller who then went on to list about 200 excuses as to why he lost but um man he is a strange guy jarrell miller um but Daniel Dubois keeps it moving. He needed that win. You know, he's taken a lot of heat about uh, allegations that he quit when he was in tough with Joe Joyce with his broken orbital, which, I mean, it is what it is. What are you going to say? He basically said he was done. And um, so, yeah, he needed a comeback win. And well, he, they I'm said sure they he, said he quit against Uzik. That was the latest one. Yeah, 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 of course. Yep. So good win for uh, Daniel Dubois. He did eat some shots against uh, Big Baby, but he wasn't in there with the most dynamic uh, heavyweight in the world, to say the least. Probably a good bounce back, comeback fight for him. How'd you like it? Well, look, it's no secret. Miller should probably do less talking and, you know, more training um, and less eating in some areas maybe. But, um, you know, but listen, I'll give Miller credit for this. Uh, he's blown a lot of money in his career. He's underachieved. People could say that's fair. That, you know, he had that chance to fight Joshua. He tested positive. Ruiz steps in. Ruiz knocks out Joshua. So he missed the boat on Ruiz maybe. made about $15, 20000000 million as a result of that. Between the five he got for that night and then the 13 he got to go to Saudi to defend it in the rematch, it would, uh, that could have been all big baby's money. Yeah, he missed a boat on, you could say, on a career that could have been different. Uh, but he, you know, he did it to himself with taking the things that he took and all of that. He, you know, he's he's taken a lot of grief, and and I get it. He he's he's imposed it on on himself. He's brought it on himself with. You know, the way he talked and everything else. And again, his choices that he's made where it's led to the things that it's led to and the, the, the loss of opportunity, all of that. But at the end of the day, I'm, I understand all that and, I'm, and I just said it and I called him on it. But I'm also going to say that he, he showed heart. I'm going to say that he's got a hell of a chin. I'm going to say that, yeah, he wasn't prepared properly. You don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you that. You saw that. I mean, when a, when a man looks like he be, could be wearing a sports bra, you know, you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you. And Jarrell Miller don't need Teddy Atlas to tell him. He's got to live with his own ghost now, uh, whatever they may be or may not be. But... He he had a plan in this fight. He thought he was going to break the Dubois the, the down by just outwilling him, by putting pressure on him, to just walk forward, by becoming that unstoppable physical force where 
and, and he knew he would take punishment to do it. And he was willing to take the punishment. You know, you, he should be better trained and move his head and defend better. Okay, you know, he's got to think about that if he goes forward, the people that have to have responsibility as his trainers. He had one guy in the corner, I don't know why, whatever his name was, the guy that was with Chris Colbert, who did not do a good job with Colbert. So these guys, he needs, obviously his his approach could be questioned. You're going to press the guy, move your freaking head more, you know, cover up better, you know, faint once in a while, step out, then step in. His whole plan basically was almost a kamikaze plan where he was just going to walk into punches until Dubois fell down, until Dubois' spirit was spent, until he, you know, until he broke him. And at the end of the day, credit to Dubois, he got pressed. He got pushed in that area, but he didn't break. He had moments where I was wondering if he was going to start to break Dubois. But at the end of the day, his corner, his father, whoever did a great job of reminding him, reminding him what the real fight was. The real fight wasn't against Miller. The real fight was against Dubois. The real fight wasn't to win a paycheck. Yeah, he got paid good. The real, the real fight was to win back his respect. The real fight wasn't, you know, about being in Saudi Arabia uh, and, and, again, about being on a card with all these heavyweights. The real fight was about redemption. That's what the real fight was. And, and his father's corner did a good job of reminding, I'm sure, of reminding him that every time it looked like he was disintegrating a little bit, it looked like he was starting to break a little bit. I'm sure they remind him, hey, that's what this is about. That's what this, this ain't about today. This is about how you're going to live your life tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day. How you're going to feel about yourself as a man, as a human being. That's what this is about. And it's your choice. It was your choice when you gave in in the other fights that got you to this position. Well, it's your choice to get out of it now. And to get out of it, it's not complicated. You have to behave like a fighter. You have to redeem yourself. You have to make sure it's not just a matter of what you do. It's a matter of what you don't do. You must not capitulate. You must not submit. And, and he didn't. Like I said, it, it looked like it was getting dicey there a couple times. But I give Dubois so much credit. Because again, he he fought he fought for the right to have a life, to feel the way he wants to feel to have a life. He fought for that. He fought for his manhood, so to speak, his dignity, his future in that way, in that way. Forget about with the money and everything else. If you don't have your dignity, if you don't have that that worth of yourself, what do you have? That's what he fought for, and that's what he earned, and that's what he won, and that's what I'm giving him credit for, and that's what I recognized. Miller, he put all his eggs in one basket, Ken, where he really felt that if I just keep pushing this guy, he's going he's gonna to fall. 
He's going to fall. He's going to fall from from exhaustion, mentally, physically, whatever. But he's just going to fall. Candidly, that was his only hope was that Daniel Dubois was still wrestling with the ghosts of those defeats and those uh, alleged quitting incidents yeah. because he wasn't going to outbox him so and outtalent him. And exactly. he certainly wasn't showing up trying to like outwork him at 333 pounds. No, but to the... Again. That's a perfect description, though, with all his eggs in one basket, hoping that the guy was going to do something that was out of Big Baby's control, which is never a good plan to hope your opponent's going to behave a certain way versus imposing your will on him. Well, that's what he was trying to do. But to his credit, he was willing to go into the flames of hell to do it. He may not. He, I know, again, it could have been done better. Uh, that Miller's got deficits mentally, emotionally, I'm sure. Technically, you saw them uh, coming in that heavy. He's got deficits. We all do. His are more apparent. And and how deep they run, only he knows. Where they come from, what they're attached to, uh, in reality of what's real confidence and what's just bravado that he puts forward to hide things. Uh, you, I'm sure all those things are there to be found out. I'm not there to find those things out today. I'm there just to point out, and I'm here to point out, that Miller did put his eggs in one basket. I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to become the unstoppable force, and DeWar is going to cooperate. At some point, he's going he's gonna to fall apart. And Miller was willing to take enormous punishment i'm telling you they better rest him he took awful punishment all night he took a beating those last five rounds he he they better give him a cat scan they better give him rest really he deserves it but more importantly he needs it from a responsible position of caring about a human being uh from a medical standpoint he needs to be rested and looked at. He took enormous punishment. And Dubois can punch. He's a good enough puncher. He's, he's a good fighter. There was never a question about Dubois knowing how to fight. It was a question what I said earlier. Can he behave like a fighter when the moment comes? But he's technically solid, Dubois. He can box. He can fight inside. He can move his head and make you miss in tight quarters, or he can use his legs on the outside and look to counterpunch. He, he's a good, good fighter, and he's shown that. He's shown it with Joyce when he was beating Joyce up to the point that he gave in. He was showing it with Usyk. Even though I thought Usyk was winning the fight, he was right there with Usyk up to the point that, he, that at the end of the day, he, what happened happened. But this is the first time that he put it all together. It reminded me a little bit about like Buster Douglas when he fought Tyson and he pulled off that huge upset. Because Buster Douglas, Ken, was a talented fighter, like Dubois. He could do everything. He's big, he could box, he could fight with you, he could punch, he could take a punch. But... When push came to shove against Tony Tucker, a few whatever, a few other, he he'd give in. He got labeled a dog, a bad dog, not the dog where they say in a good way. The young people now, oh, he's a dog. <laughs> back in back in my day, a dog wasn't a good thing. 
it was it was uh, it was it was a bad thing that that you that you didn't fight the way they talk about fighting like a dog today that you quit that you gave in and they labeled basically a mutt is what they would call and they labeled Buster that and then what did he do he redeemed himself he fought that night it wasn't about Tyson it was about Buster Douglas that night it was about Buster Douglas being able to live with himself the rest of his life about redeeming himself about feeling the way he needed to feel to have a life. Uh, and, and also about making his mother, who had just died a few months earlier, proud. That, that's where he found his strength. And that reminded me a little bit of Dubois, that he found his strength. This, I don't know if he's going to have it again. I don't know. Because Buzz Douglas never had it again. When he fought Holyfield for the heavyweight title, he didn't have it again. He had it that night against Tyson. I don't know if Dubois got it to, to keep it now. It's up to him. He knows now that he can depend on himself. He knows now that he can behave that way as a fighter and he can be proud of himself. He knows that now. I hope he doesn't forget when the devil knocks at the door because the devil will knock at the door in another tough fight for him. He will. And I hope that he can lock that door the way he locked it in Saudi Arabia the other night. I really do. I like him. I, I want to see him continue because he's got the talent to be a top, top guy if he continues to have the part we're talking about to, to go with that talent. Um, at the end of the day, marvelous job. Again, Miller just, I, I give him credit again. You call him whatever you want to call him. Whatever you want to call him, it's fair. He brought it on himself. But man, he's got a good shin. Man, he showed some heart. Maybe in a in a uh, in a way that uh, we we rather see it with. We'd rather see that heart wrapped around all the other things to make it the full package. But and maybe most of the heart was because he really thought the ball was going to quit. So he just kept going and going and going because yep. he really feels the guy's going to quit. But the guy didn't quit. And at the end of the day, Dubois broke Miller down and broke him down physically and mentally, especially physically, catching him with those punches inside, uh, on the inside, short, clean punches. So Dubois, Dubois for me, he, he won the... I mean, the big upset was Parker, but Dubois was the biggest winner because he won. Yeah. He 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 won himself back. He won himself back. All right. Well, in the co-main, Joseph Parker dominated Deontay Wilder all night long. He won 18, 11, 18, 10, and 120, 108 on the three scorecards. He entered the boat as a uh, Wilder entered as a minus seven hundred favorite. Oh. Hold on. Joseph Parker's here. One second, Teddy. Let me get him. Hold on. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. I don't remember him getting hit that much. Apologies for ruining Christmas for um, the promoters and for AJ, but the Grinch showed up on the 23rd of December and spoiled the party. I get it. I get it. He he did spoil the party, but that's a, that's a good one, Ken. 
But here's the thing. <laughs> There's no spoiling a party of your Joshua and your Eddie Hearn because I've said it a million times. Joshua can fight anybody because he did his part. He got rid of Whalen. And by getting That's rid right. of Whalen, he's back. In the minds of the fans, and they love him. And I love the fans. He's The back. best that AJ has looked in ages, but we'll get to him. I know. He's back, and he's the greatest again, and there's no arguing with that. And so even though you're right that it took away the Wilder payday, Parker did him a favor because if Wilder hits Joshua on the chin, it's a lot different than Wellen hitting him. Who knows? For sure. Who knows what would have happened? That was still a risky fight. Even though Parker beat him and took him apart the way he did, credit to Parker, credit to his trainer, uh, Andy Lee, for having a great fight plan and executing it. But if if he, if he there if Judge was in there with Wilder, I, I'm sure that they're relieved in a quiet way. They never admit it. They don't have to take that risk. They don't have to take that risk. They don't have to face... That 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 hydrogen bomb possibly exploding in their face. So, in that way, he was done a favor. And as far as the grins being, I get it. Ruining his Christmas because of the payday. There's nothing but paydays for Joshua. Joshua, I've said it before. He could fight the doorman at the King's Arms, <laughs> and he's going to put seventy thousand people in Wembley Stadium. Now, if he fights somebody yeah. else, he'll put a hundred thousand. And they're still aiming for that fury fight, and and that if that ever happens, that'd be the biggest, that'd be the biggest bonanza money wise, probably in the history of boxing. It would be a lot bigger if Fury can beat Usyk, which well, I don't well, think is going to happen. Well, that's the big thing. But. He has to get past him uh, for it to be that. That's that's the thing. But getting back to this fight, Parker Wilder, give credit to Parker, I. I'm not here to knock Wilder, but I said he was fighting on ESPN. He hated me. I was going to say one quick thing. You've been saying for a long time that he really doesn't know how to fight. He's just got that one big punch, and I feel like more than ever against Parker, he was exposed. He just didn't have any answers at all for Parker. He's just kind of loading up on that, hoping to throw a one-two, one-two, but when he didn't hit it, at times he was actually like hammer-punching uh, Parker, just like yeah, the referee, like in the referee should have stopped that. That was dangerous. Yes. He shouldn't allowed that. Uh, yeah, that was, was just for that really one crazy. spot in the last round or the next yep. to last round, whatever. It was. But look, Wilder, I said it. You know, he he hated me, and uh, and uh, I think he's matured a little bit. I think he has grown up a little bit, to be honest. But I, and I, give, and I give him credit for that. But. Because the way he used to act and talk before that, I had no use for it. I I'm, I just didn't. But I gave him his dues. He could punch. I even called him the... Nobody else called him the hardest punch in the history of heavyweights before I did. Before I did. And, and I said that. I gave him that kind of ribbon. I gave him those kind of flowers. But he didn't like the other stuff. And he, people think I'm hating. I'm not hating. I'm doing my job. And I'm telling the truth. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. I, I don't care about going along to get along. I don't care about people liking me. I don't care about, I care about knowing that I can trust myself, that I can go to bed at night knowing that I, I was not in any way influenced by anything other than my opinion. That I, I wasn't influenced by how much money I could make, what kind of job I could get, who would hire me, who would like me. I was influenced by 
telling the fans what my job is to tell them, what I know from my experience of 50 years in boxing to be the truth. And what I believe, it doesn't mean I'm right, but what it's not influenced by any agenda. That I'm proud of. And I'll try to stay that way till I freaking drop dead. And I, but I said on ESPN, again, he didn't know how to fight. He never really got taught, or at least he didn't learn. Put it that way. I don't know what they were teaching him. But he didn't learn the things that you need to learn to be more than just a big banger. And he fought the right guys. They gave him the right guys to fight, and he banged them out. And he had a trouble with Ortiz, and he got to Ortiz late. Ortiz was 40, but he was a southpaw, good fighter, good uh, good amateur fighter, good puncher. And he finally got to Ortiz. He fought him twice. He knocked him out. You know, he was losing probably the first seven rounds, and then he knocked him out in the eighth round. I think that was their second fight. He's, but he fought a lot of guys, which they all do. That really was not not indicative of how good he was. It was just that they were guys that he could hit, and he knocked them out. But when he fought guys that he couldn't knock out, like Fury and you know, obviously Parker, now some of those shortcomings really came to the surface. They really came. They came home to roost, if you will. And I think that, again, you used the right word, that he, he got exposed. But I think he's been exposed before. That that if he can't hit you, he's got a problem. And look, he's got heart. He's got plenty of heart. And he behaves like a fighter, which is important to me and to everybody. And, he, and he's he's got good enough speed. And, you know... And he's got a good chin. He's proven that. But when you have a plan and when you know how to fight and you know how to avoid his his one thing that you have to avoid if you're going to fight Wilder, the right hand. When you know how to do that, you got to win. You have an automatic W against him. You know how, and it's not easy because you got to go. You got to go through twelve rounds of walking through minefields, making sure you don't blow yourself up. That's what Parker. I'm sure his great trainer Andy Lee, the former world champ, who's done a great job with Parker since he took over. I'm sure that his heart was in his throat for those so every round. Like, oh my God. Because he came close to walking into a mine. There's a couple of times he reached in he and Wada just missed him. He leaned forward, he just missed him with an uppercut. Just missed him coming in with a right hand. Uh, there was a couple, even in the last round. Oh my God. He, uh, Parker pulled back with his hands a little loose, straight back from, from the clinch two times. I was like, oh my God, what is he doing? What is he doing? The, uh, and the punch just missed him. But, listen, all credit. I'm not here to knock Wilder. Wilder's a multi-multi-millionaire. He, it's always going to be in the history books that he was a heavyweight champ of the world and he won a bronze medal in the Olympics. God bless him. Credit to you if you retire tomorrow. Deontay, good career. 
great career. Congratulations. Be happy with your life. If you come back, good luck. But what I'm saying is based on truth, nothing else. And Parker took advantage of that. And Parker walked through minefields. Give Parker credit for that being that man that could do that. And give his credit to his trainer. They had the right fight plan and Parker executed it. They And they did it. They, yeah, you got to be careful, but you also have to create offense. They did both. They did both. What he did there, Parker did, he pressed the fight, but cautiously aggressive. Carefully, properly, little steps. A couple of times he reached in, oh, it almost was a disaster. But other than that, he was under control. He had his legs under him. He was coming in controlled. He was coming in prepared, not, not just walking in where he could leave himself exposed to that great right hand. And I'll tell you, even a couple times when he jumped in with lead right hands, he did it smart. People are going to say, Teddy, what are you talking about? You just talked, you shouldn't jump in. No, if a guy is pulling back, then you could jump in with him and catch him pulling back. Those couple spots, again, Wilder doesn't do technically things, doesn't do things technically correct as a fighter. So the couple times when he pulled back, what did he do? He, he came in with lead right hands, he being Parker, and he nailed him. And it looked like he was jumping in. No, he was coming in at the right time, the time of opportunity, the time that him and his trainer prepared the gym that they knew would be there for them when Wada would expose himself and make himself vulnerable by crossing his legs, stepping straight back where you could go with him. He's not set to punch, and you could catch him with a right hand. And he did, and he caught him. He caught him throughout the fight. He did enough offense. At the same time, he was, a, he was conservative enough. He was buttoned up enough not to get caught anything big, and, uh, and he did it for 12 rounds. And, and again, the mental pressure when you're fighting a guy that dangerous, Ken, you have no idea. People out there have no idea of the mental pressure you go. You age 10 years. I know his trainer <laughs> aged 10 years. Poor Andy, poor Andy. He was like 45 going into the He's 55 now. I mean, because you know what the risk is. You, you, even if you're executing and you're, and you're making it look easy, you know it's not easy. You know the danger. And um, I give them nothing but, really, props for doing that job under those circumstances. Uh, he, he went to the body well, too. He mixed in some good body work, Parker. Uh, again, he almost knocked out Water. He almost got, he almost got the knockout. What round was it? I want to be accurate. But it was uh, eighth round, I believe, uh, where Water hurt where Wada got hurt badly um, in the eighth. And yeah, I think it was the eighth. I think it was the eighth round. He got hurt really bad in the eighth. Parker tried to finish him. Um, and he set up the big right hand that hurt Wada. Again, I always talk about the delivery system, not just the power, but the delivery system. And sure enough, Parker had the delivery system. He set up the big right hand that hurt Wada in the eighth round by bending low and tricking him, getting his eyes to drop a little bit, and then he threw high. 
and he caught him with that punch. So, marvelous job by Parker. Uh, Wado, one thing I will throw in there, and it's only fair, he is 38 years old. Taking nothing away from Parker, but he is 38 years old, and he has been. You talked about it earlier, Ken, and rightfully so. We both did, but I brought it up, and then you talked about better be of getting old, but he hasn't been in a lot of wars in the pros. Right. Wada has. Wada yep. has. He's 38 years old, but he was in those wars with Fury where he got dropped in those last two fights. He got knocked out in his last two fights with Fury. And he got dropped. He got off the floor, showed the heart of a warrior. He dropped Fury in the last one, but he wound up being knocked out. He, he took a huge punishment in those Fury fights. And you know what? It, it, you leave the ring minus some of yourself. And I think he yep. left the ring in those two fights minus some of himself. I, I don't think he he's fully got back everything he lost in those Fury fights for what it's worth. And again, still dangerous as hell. Parker went in there. You know, he went into the lion's cage and he came out alive. He, he you know, with, with the teeth of the lion around his neck. He made a necklace out of it. Um, so credit to him for doing that and, and having the, the gumption, the, the mentality, the confidence, the discipline uh, to do it. But I, I will, in all fairness to Wada, I don't care if you don't like me or not, I, I always want to be fair. <laughs> 38 years old, tough fights with Fury. You know, he's... He's had something taken out of him. But, and then something more now with Parker. But great job by Parker. I, I, the 12th round, Wilder was desperate. And you brought it yeah. up, Ken. He hammer fisted. I don't know how the referee didn't warn him for hammer fisting. You're not in the MMA. Come on, what are you doing? Uh, but Wilder was trying right to the end to get the knockout. And, um, and he, he just couldn't get it. Yep, and that brings us to the... Uh, well, before we get into the main event, let's give a quick shout-out to our friends at Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, to get friend, free 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Athletic Greens, the all-in-one green drink. Take a scoop in the morning, mix it with some water. Couldn't be easier, and you basically take care of all your vitamin and mineral needs for the day. The best part is all the vitamins and minerals are sourced from whole food sourced ingredients. So it's basically real food in here mixed into the powder. Too much, So much so that you couldn't even possibly put this into a capsule. You need a whole scoop. Give them a try. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas to claim the free 10 free travel packs. These guys have been with us from the beginning. I take Athletic Greens every single day, and I'm not just talking crap. I take this stuff every single day. I took it before they worked with us, and I gladly take it now. Please check them out. Support the show. Support yourself. Support your own health and immunity. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. We get to the main event. And look, look, look how you don't give yourself enough credit. Look what it does. Look at the body and look, look at the hair. Look at the hair. Would you look at that hair? 
I mean, really, you want to have hair, it you want to have a body. It turns gray a little bit uh, on the well, sides, yeah, but at 52, what that. am I going to do? But um, look at that. I mean, really. Uh, and, uh, and the Grinch, I think the Grinch was drinking it. I mean, <laughs> Grinchy, he, he Grinchy does double servings. This time been, of year, he's taking two, two a day. Yeah, he's well, busy as a son of, of a bee. It showed. It showed. <laughs> it showed. You might want to send Listen. a package of that to Baby Miller. But go ahead, go on. <laughs> Before we get into the breakdown of the fight, I just want to say quickly, when we give our opinions on the fight, I have no problem with Anthony Joshua. I don't dislike him at all. I actually like him. I have a lot of respect for him. I thought after the performance of Otto Wallen put in against Fury and the way Joshua had looked in his previous fights, I thought Otto Wallen might get the upset here. To the British fans who attack mercilessly, you're a grown man attacking me for having an opinion. Like Anthony Joshua doesn't even know if you're alive. Relax, man. I, this is not a personal thing. I have no problem with any fighters. I just tell you what I think. With that being said, Anthony Joshua looked as good for me as I've ever seen him. Otto Wallen looked equally as bad, but I don't want to take away from Joshua's performance. I thought he looked phenomenal. I'm dying to hear what you think, Teddy. But for me, Anthony Joshua looked like he could beat anyone in the division. Um, congratulations to Anthony Joshua. Super nice guy. Seems like a great guy by all accounts. Great win for him. Otto Wallen, I'm disappointed. I thought he looked soft. I didn't think his body looked very fit compared to what I've seen, how I've seen him look. Um, surprised that he wasn't in better condition, but I'm dying to hear what you thought of AJ's performance, what you thought of Otto Wallen's performance, and everything associated with it. Yeah, look, there's a movie. What's that movie out there? Rob, you're going to get it up for me maybe, or... Um so-and-so got her groove back, right? It's a, Stella? Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> how Stella got her groove back? Yeah. Well, this is about how Joshua got his groove back. That's it. That's the headline here. Joshua got his groove back. And That's when I sure. say groove, Ken, it's all one word, confidence. He got his confidence yeah. back. That's why he looks, I, I'm with you. This is the best he's looked in a long time. And... It's because he got his groove back, because he got his confidence back. And part of it is Wallen. I'm not afraid to go there. Part of it's Wallen, but he did the job, Joshua, taking nothing away from him and Eddie Hearn. They do a great job. But And and, and Davidson, his trainer now, uh, I don't know who's going to be his trainer after this because he had gone with the other guy that was with Spence, and then he left him. He went to Davidson. Now he's supposed to go back to to James, who had Spence. Wasn't he with um? And wasn't he with Robert Garcia for a minute? Well, I don't know. I, I don't I think know. he was. He he changed his trainers the way uh, you change track shoes. But <laughs> at the end of the day, part of him getting his confidence back has been a progression, working with guys that he's working with getting fights, progressively moving forward, getting back to that place, hopefully. But I'd be, I'd be not me and not telling you the, the full facts if I didn't say part of it is whaling. And I've, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Styles make fights. That's part of it. But also, whaling's not a puncher. And I think knowing that he couldn't punch that Joshua was a little easier for him to 
to be what he needed to be, which is the boss again. He hasn't been a boss for a while. And and to be the boss again, that's the best way I can say it. And he was the boss again. It took him a minute, but then he hurt Whalen with a body shot, and I could see it. I said, oh, he knows he could take charge. He knows he could be the Joshua that he wants to be, he has been. In other words, he can be the conductor of this orchestra instead of just part of the orchestra where, you know, the music is playing and he's just going with the music. No, he needs to be the conductor of the music, the conductor of the orchestra. And for the first time in a while, he was the conduct. He took those things. What do you call those sticks? What do you call those damn things? You you go to the opera every Friday. Come on. What's the every Saturday, whatever? I'm sure you got those glasses that you flick out and you look from the opera box, uh, from that special box. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Come the on. Opera, opera goggles? Uh, yeah, goggles, whatever they are. Remember, uh, what was that? Pretty Woman, where where Julia Roberts, where where Richard Gere had her up in the opera box, and and yeah. he gave him to her. She's going, how do you work these things? And she's going like <laughs> this, and they're flipping all over the place, you know. And then finally, I will he say that is that is one thing that I have never attended an opera. I've never even seen one, but I would love to go. Well, we'll have uh, to go. But I haven't, but well, I haven't seen one. Well, we're gonna oh, have that'd to be go. good. You and we're I gonna have to we'll have a team, uh, we'll a team opera yeah. outing. Yeah, call Pacelli up and uh, tell him we want to go. <laughs> All right, so he 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 had he didn't those sticks that you use as a conductor. Obviously, he didn't need them. It, it, it was him. It was his fist. But he he became he pushed the fight. He he was he was in control of himself, and therefore he was in control of the fight. He used his jab to set punches up, to go to the body, to push well and back. When he's By the pushed- way, that, that stick is called the, uh, the baton. The conductor's baton is what you're looking for. Well, he had the conductor's baton working overtime. And, That's right. And, and, he, and somebody took those batons away from him a while ago, and he got them back. And he's better when he's going pushing a fight. And he was pushing a fight aggressively, smart, good technique, but he was in charge and he was aggressive, not just physically, but mentally. You could see that that he was looking for opportunities. When he wasn't pressing back, you know what he was doing? He was countering. It was a beautiful mix. He would press him back a little bit, go to the body, press him back behind the jab, look for the right hand, and then all of a sudden, he'd take a little step back, create a little gap, and look for the counter, and get the counter. So he had both gears working, because that's how it works in boxing. When you got one gear working, the next gear comes into play, falls right into place. Where you're pressing a guy, now that's gonna set up the back end. The front end is you're pressing, you're setting up your combination. The back end is now you can look for counters, because now the guy's going to get a little bit over anxious. He's going to look to land a big shot to make up ground. And now all of a sudden, you got opportunities to do some counterpunching. So you got the front end, the back end. He had the front end, the back end working. He had it all working. And he was getting better and better. And until finally, Wallen, you know, he he, he got to him in, the, I think it was the fifth round, uh, where he got to him 
and then they stopped it in a corner. I don't know if the fighter stopped it or the corner stopped it. It doesn't matter. But they stopped in the corner. What was it? After four or after five? I think it was after five where where they stopped it. But uh, One sec. Keep going. Keep going. But, I'll, I'll confirm. Bottom line is, look, Joshua was better in all areas, you know, with Wallen. But he's better in all areas with a lot of guys. But he doesn't always show it because you don't always have those batons in his hand. He's not always the conductor. When he's the conductor, he's a damn good fighter. Uh, obviously, he had more talent in all areas, power, speed. He made it through five rounds, and then Joey yeah. Gamach stopped the fight. But you could see when he walked yeah, back into rounds. the corner, Gamach just looked at him and was like, yeah, that's enough. Like, when, when this ain't, it ain't happening. But no. I like Joey Gamach. He had supreme confidence in saying like yeah you're done this is yeah. we and it we, we ain't this ain't happening today no, he, looked he was out banged fight. up his nose yeah no, exactly it's the way look, it's supposed to be not more, a conversation no more talent power speed for the confident smart fight um again he had the batons back that that's it i don't i don't have to overstate this fight i think the fans have you should be satisfied with what I just said. I, you'd probably say, oh, why didn't you go on, Teddy? You've, you've knocked him in the past. Why didn't you go on for an extra half hour? It's not necessary. Your man, your man was, was terrific. But he was what he's, he's what he's supposed to be. He was in charge of the man himself. He had the batons in his hand. He had the confidence. He behaved like a confident fighter, not just a guy with a great body, not just a guy who's won a gold medal in the Olympics, not just a guy who's probably made $100 million, God bless him, him and Eddie oh, at Hurt, least. Uh, uh, whatever, at least. whatever. Not just that. He behaved like a guy who wanted to be in charge. He behaved like a guy who wanted to, you know, maybe be a champion again. When you saw that performance, what it, did it change your opinion at all of uh, Usyk, knowing how Usyk dispatched him twice? No, because I know what Usyk is. Usyk knows how to win. He's one of the great winners of our time in boxing. He won the gold medal in the Olympics. He won all the cruiserweight titles, put them all together, consolidated the cruiserweight title, and then he did what Evander Holyfield did. He went up to heavyweight and he won the heavyweight title. Um and Eddie did it in foreign territory over in England, not once, but twice. All of his fights are in foreign territory. No one's coming to Ukraine to fight Usyk. Does Usyk beat Tyson Fury? I think Tyson Fury, the best thing that ever happened to him was that bad performance in Saudi. I, think that, I agree. I think that gave him a wake-up call. I think that he'll be he'll be the best he could be now. If he didn't lose that, well, he didn't lose it, but if he didn't have that bad performance... I think he he might be sleepwalking uh, on 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 Usyk, thinking he's too big for him, believing all the press clippings, and just go in there not ready mentally. A fighter's not ready mentally; he's not ready. I don't give a damn what he is physically, and he might have went in there not ready. He's gonna be ready now. He's gonna be. It's gonna be very interesting. It's gonna be very interesting. He um, may have gotten the decision win, but th I mean, short of losing the fight outright, that was as bad an outcome as he could have hoped for. To have a controversial, like razor thin decision against a guy who's never had no, an amateur. I didn't fight. think it was razor thin. I thought that I give all the credit to Ganyu in the world, but I I think he won two rounds. But look, he won the night. 
You know why? Yeah. Because he dropped him, and he did what nobody expected him to do. He went the distance, and he made a competitive fight. So that That's alone right. made people say, oh, he must have won. Oh, he must have won. <laughs> oh, he won. Well, no, if you look at it, and you break it down, and you really look at it and don't react to it, no, actually, he won two rounds, but he won a, he won two good rounds. He dropped him in the third, and then I think he won a big eighth round, if my memory serves me correctly, and he being a Ganyu. But it doesn't matter. Fury won a fight, but the guy who won the crowd and won the moment was definitely in Ganyu. Um, so, and talk about redemption. Fury has that on his side now. He's looking for a little redemption in that category a little bit. He's got that going for him. It's going to make a very interesting fight with Usyk. Uh, I like both guys. I like Fury. I like him as a person. I like him as a personality, um, a promoter, a fighter. Everything he's done, his story, he, he's, he's an uplifting story. He's a survival story. He's a, he, he's, a, he's a story for all people to hear that when you're down and out to the point where you're thinking about taking your own life, which he was at that point, and you're down and out, don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. There's o you always have a chance to turn it around. You always have a chance to get back up. He was on the floor, it looked like an eternity in that first fight with Wilder. An eternity in the 12th round. But he got up. And I'm sure his life was passing in front of him at that moment. That's what made Fury, that moment. That moment made Fury, yeah. Fury. But I'm sure his life was passing in front of him. And it, it was only nine seconds. He got up at nine, eight, nine. But it felt like it was nine years. Like, like, like his whole life. And I'm sure he was thinking, do I get up? Do I not get up? Do I live? Do I die? What do I do here? And then he said, no, I live. I live. And when I say live... I, I mean, I don't mean literally like his heart was going to stop him beating. Uh, he's going to die physically. I mean live. I mean go after life. I mean don't just survive. I, don't, I mean don't just exist. I mean that you go out there and you give life everything you got. And he made that choice to do that. He, and he was, he was close to two years earlier, a year earlier, even less, of, of taking his own life. He was having drug problem with problems with alcohol, drug. His life was spiraling downwards. He was in deep, deep, deep depression. And he came out of it. So he's a great human interest story. He's a great story. Again, he's a great example to people. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. The only time it's over is when you say it's over. Otherwise, there's still a chance to make a comeback. No matter how bleak things seem, no matter how dark the moment seems, there's still a chance to find light. And he's, he's, a, he's a poster child for that. Yep. So I love both guys. I love Uzik. I love that he's, he's got something. He's fighting for a country. He's not just fighting for himself. He's fighting to bring hope I know he's not out there with a gun. People say, oh, Teddy's not out there with a gun. He might be out there with a gun. I don't know. But I'm not saying he's out there with a gun. What I'm saying is he's fighting in a way that he's given his people who are going through hell, he's given them hope. That the, right. He's given them hope that they can attach themselves to him a little bit in that kind of way. So that's a powerful thing in itself. 
and I wouldn't, I would never bet against that. And and he's a solid fighter. Yeah, he's a smaller guy, but he's a solid guy. He he's solid in all dimensions. Fights inside, fights outside. Uses his legs. He's mentally together. They're both mentally tough. Uh, it's going to be a hell of an interesting fight. But I've said it before. The greatest thing Usyk knows how to do, it's not the jab. His jab is very important. It's probably his key punch. But it's his ability to win. He knows how to win. He's got a PhD in winning. And Fury does too. What what else is interesting is, and, and I'm not going to go deep into it now, but I, I broke the fight down. I think enough with Whalen Joshua. Congratulations to the fans over there. Congratulations to Joshua, to Eddie Hearn. But it's going to be interesting. Who does he fight now? That's going to be interesting. Who does he yeah. fight now? Because now it's not going to be Wilder. And I think it turned out to be a good thing. But I said that early on, that he don't have to take that risk now. Um Obviously, the Fury fight, if that ever happened with Fury beating Usyk, forget about it. It's going to be the biggest fight in the history of the sport, uh, money-wise, everything. In that regard, I think they have to wait and see what happens. No sense in scheduling AJ and Parker if if Fury wins that fight. I don't think he's going to fight Parker. Where does Parker has to fit in somewhere? He's gonna get. Yeah. A, he's got to fit in. He earned it. But I don't think it's Parker right now. He already beat Parker. They're saying maybe Hergovich. Well, here's the thing. That's probably what it's gonna be, because Hergovich is the number one contender. He's undefeated, <laughs> and and yeah, I know. And he's the number one contender. He's undefeated. I thought he lost to the Chinese fighter Wiley. I I don't think yes. I don't think Agreed. that much of Hergovich. I I think Joshua takes him apart. That's my feeling. But. I'm with you. And he's undefeated. He's the number one contender. But he was supposed to be promised the winner, being the number one contender. He was supposed to be promised the winner of of um, of Usyk and and Fury. Fury. And so I know they can do whatever they can. They can, you know, they they can do whatever they can. Um, if Fury wins that fight, AJ Fury makes they get fifty to one hundred million each. I think in Wembley. He, yeah, but here's the thing. Her, her uh, I believe, was promised a winner of, like I just said, Fury and yeah. Usyk. Um, That's right. But it'd be easy to get them to probably take, because they could do anything. They control the organizations, right? They could of the course. They, they could get, they could get Hergovich to fight Fury, I mean, to fight... Um, uh, Parker, Paul, uh, no, to to fight um Joshua, because you can't make more money than you can make with Joshua. Even right. even you fight for the title, people say, well, he's going to fight for the title against the winner of Usyk and Joshua. I mean Usyk and Fury. But if you fight Joshua, there's no way you're going to get. He's like Canelo. There's nowhere. Yeah. I mean Fury. Between him and Fury, they're, they're the biggest money makers, obviously, in the heavyweight division. And it's attached to being in London. That's a big part of it because they're huge over there. But Joshua, you could argue that he'd make more money or you could make an argument, and Hearn could make that argument by making it happen, where Hergovic could make more money to fight Joshua. So... Yep. And 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 they and they put some tag on it, even though Usyk and Fury is supposed to be for the, all the heavyweight straps. 
they they do something. They call it something. They say, okay, you know, he's a uh, the winner of Usyk and Fury is a champion in recess. And while the champion in recess <laughs> is in recess, we're gonna make Fury. We're gonna make uh, Joshua and Hergovic for the the heavyweight champion that's not in recess. I'm I'm just saying uh, they could do whatever they want. They could say, and then the winner of that, of course, fights you know, the other fight. But uh, I know that Hearn had mentioned Hergovic, so I would put my money that somehow they're going to work that out because that would have to be figured out a little bit. It, it seems a little bit convoluted, but boxing always seems a little convoluted and money always oh, money always unconvolutes it, right, at the end of the day. That's right. So uh, I, I don't know, but there's a few interesting fights out there. Um Parker's got to be in there, though. He's got to be in the mix and somewhere, whatever. But it, it always comes down to the money. Uh, wh- whoever can make the most money. The other guy would get his shot, but the most money one will probably try to be put to the put to the front of the line. Yeah. Uh, one quick thing. I forgot to point out that when uh, Grinchy left, he left me these uh, these shoes. I don't know if you can see them, but... Oh, there! Oh, yeah! Oh, wow! Can you run in those? Can you can you do uh, twenty six miles in those? Those are uh, Reebok Insta Pumps from uh, the eighties, I think. But um, shout out to Reebok for the beautiful shoes. Oh, I'll tell you um, one thing: if you wear those shoes, you better be. If you wear those shoes, you better be <laughs> to run. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you wear those shoes around here. I'll bring you to a few neighborhoods. You wear those. You better be able to run, and I don't mean we'll a fight. <laughs> and I don't mean a marathon. I mean a freaking sprint. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, it's Christmas Eve. As we mentioned earlier, we will uh, have the episode up on Tuesday. But Teddy, I know with you have the kids there, you're dying to get with yeah. those kids and start taking part in all the festivities. It's been a great year. We'll have one more show before the year ends, but uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas to you, Teddy, and our producer extraordinaire, the great Rob Moore. um, That's all I got, Teddy. You got anything before we say goodbye? Yeah, Merry Christmas, like you said, and I said at the top. Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, God bless everybody. We wish you nothing but but happiness and health and, um, and patience. Patience, uh, you know, and and love. Patience and love, you know. I think those are two good things to to try to strive for in the new year. And understanding. I'll throw that in there. Very good point. Well, I've got a ton of Christmas uh, presents to wrap up, although my wife has done 99.9% of all of it. I have to wrap her gifts. But I'm dying to see what the kids got for Christmas, like most dads. I know what I got. Um, I know what I got from... (laughs) I know, that's beautiful in the background. Wow. I know what I got uh, from you. Uh, And I don't really need it, but it's the thought that counts. But I don't need any more Athletic Greens, but thank you anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, the package arrived. I got uh, another beautiful uh, package from the Rideout family. Uh, <laughs> uh, athletic Green. My, my grandchildren says, not Athletic Greens again, Papa. <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I said, they're good. I know they're good, Papa, but you, you got a lot of them. 
You got a lot of them. <laughs> I said, I know. But, you know Ken, is, Ken wants to make sure I don't run short. That's it. Well, have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Teddy, thanks for everything. I will, uh, I will talk to you this week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You and your family, Rob and his family, everybody. God bless you.